0: Hello and welcome to Africa Business News, your weekly wrap of what made headlines across the continent. We'll be getting into those in just a bit. We also take a look at some market action with Sven Richter from Drakens Capital and focus specifically on why they're seeing now as the time to invest more so in African markets. But first, let's get into your top stories. Policy uncertainty has dampened Sub-Saharan Africa's mining outlook and will continue to do so for the next few quarters. Uh, That's according to BMI Research. The region's mining sector scored 39 out of 100 in the firm's recent Investment Attractiveness Index and it's expected to remain one of the riskiest globally over the medium term as policy uncertainty persists. That's as rising mineral prices see governments demanding a larger share of resources wealth. BMI cited Tanzania and the DRC as examples where investor confidence has taken a knock on mining regulation changes. South Africa's growth prospects are improving the World Bank's lifted the country's 2018 forecast to 1.4 percent citing higher confidence levels and benign inflation and while this represents some improvement from last year's 1.3 percent expansion it's well below the average growth rate for emerging markets which sits at four and a half percent the World Bank says fundamental policy action is required to turn the economy around it believes a focus on skills development will reduce poverty and ignite growth. Uganda's plans to produce oil by 2020 are gaining traction. The country signed an agreement with a consortium, which includes a subsidiary of General Electric, to build and operate an oil refinery. Construction costs for the 60,000-barrel-per-day plant is pegged between 3 and $4 billion and will clear one of the hurdles which has hampered the country's hopes of producing and exporting crude for over a decade. Kenya aims to refine domestically and also export some of the oil via a pipeline through neighbouring Tanzania which is currently under development. Safaricom's dominance in Kenya may soon be challenged. According to Reuters, Telcom and Bharti Airtel's local units are eyeing a merger. The two firms are said to be engaging on plans to share infrastructure and outlets. Analysts say if a deal does materialize, it holds significant savings potential for both companies and would allow it to effectively compete with Safaricom, which holds a near 72 percent market share. No further details have been provided, and the firms are yet to make a formal application to the telecoms regulator. Lafarge Africa slipped deeper into the red. The cement producer's annual loss before tax has widened by over 49 percent to $105 million. The African division of Lafarge Holson says one off impairments weighed on its performance. The bulk of that is due to restructuring costs associated with merging its Nigerian operations and its loss-making assets in South Africa. It's also cited project delays. The company's CEO, Bruno Bayat, says if the impairments were stripped out, the Farge Africa would have turned a profit. Difficulties at its Ghana project has weighed on Group 5's half-year performance. The firm, which operates in over 10 African countries, has slipped deeper into the red and reported a widening interim operating loss of $64 million. Group 5's blamed delays at due to unexpected weather conditions and delivery of key components it's also cited retrenchment and abandoned contract costs the group's total order book stood at 1.1 billion dollars at the end of december that's an eight percent decline from the prior period well straight after the break we take a look at some of what moved african markets this week so don't go away Welcome back to Africa Business News as we shift focus to the markets and some of the investment merit it's boasting right now. Joining me at the desk this evening, Sven Richter from Drakens Capital. Sven, thanks so much for joining us today. Given the increase in the African Prudential investment limit for pension funds from 5% to 10% announced by Treasury and the current RAND strength, I guess, that we're seeing, some seeing this as an opportunity to gain or access exposure to Africa. To what extent are people really considering investing more in Africa as part of their diversified portfolios?
1: Well, I think we have to look not just at the South African investors, but also international investors as well who want to, to gain access to Africa as well. And two things have happened. You know, the 5% to 10% in South Africa has meant South Africans have said, well, you know, that's getting to be quite a substantial portion of our portfolio. We need to have a view, yes or no, a bit more firmly than we had a view when we were 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, African markets are doing quite well. You know, we've, we saw sort of some, some weakness in those markets. The economy still grew, but at a slower rate in the last couple of years. But now the growth is coming back, valuations are coming back, and throughout the world, people are starting to ask. You know, we've had requests this week from a Spanish bank that's thinking of making an investment, from a German insurance company that's thinking of making an investment, um, and from a, um, a sort of fund of funds based in, in London. So, plus there's been some South Africans looking as well. Mm-hmm. So, I think from both sides, you're starting to see a look to say. We need to think about these markets more thoroughly, more carefully, and possibly up our weights.
0: Okay, so with that, some of the sentiment then you've put out a note today. Why invest more in Africa now? Broad strokes. What's the investment case you're seeing?
1: Well, you see, I mean, that's I think people start calling you and saying, well, we think we want to know, but. Should we invest now? Or shouldn't we invest now? Mm-hmm. And look, the best time to invest in Africa was about a year and a half ago, when the sentiment was absolutely dire. Everyone wanted to run a thousand miles. No one wanted to be there, and you'd have made like over thirty percent in the last like you know sort of twelve months if you had done that. Okay, but of course, you know, as investors, we're all cautious. We don't want to jump in when things are looking so terrible. You tend to want to get in when things are a little bit better. So you know. With this, this, this run up in the markets, has it gone too far? Is there still opportunity? And that's really why we put out the note, because it's a question that we are being asked about these things. And yes, you know, GDPs are starting to improve, inflation is starting to come down. Actually, just post the note, I saw information come out that both in Ghana, the latest inflation stats are further down. So, you know, we'd mm-hmm. forecast they were coming down, but they have come down. And in Nigeria, they're even talking about a rate cut in Nigeria. I think that's a little premature, probably, because it's just become real interest rates now. But you know, inflation coming down, GDP growing, um, the African growth story is intact. Valuations are not stretched. They're obviously not as dire as they were a year and a half ago. But there's still opportunity to go into these markets.
0: Well, what's interesting, though, Sven, is uh, you know while we often highlight that Africa is not a homogenous entity when considering the risks. You highlight that for the first time in a while, the major investable African markets, Egypt, Nigeria, Kenya, Morocco, are improving in tandem and this making it a good time to invest in the whole of Africa. (laughs) So (laughs) why is the inverse now true?
1: Well, exactly. Well, no, it's not really the inverse because, yes, I mean, that's always the biggest thing. We're always saying, but please be aware that, you know, (laughs) these are different countries. they are not the same. You know, Kenya is quite a different kettle of fish to Nigeria. Nigeria is a commodity exporter. Kenya is actually a an oil importer. So the oil price has different effects on these countries as well. But at the same time, you know, people tend to look at geographical regions. You know, people buy funds in Asia, people buy funds in Latin America, people buy emerging market funds. And these markets really are a little bit small still for anyone to buy a Kenya fund or a Nigerian fund as such. So we have to look at them as as a group. And yes. At the moment, all of them are looking pretty good. Okay. Mm. But the benefit, of course, is that if something happens to one of them, you've still got others that are there. And these other markets are looking good as well. You know, We mentioned these, these bigger four. But you've got your Ghanas, and you've got your Ivory Coast, you know, you've got your Tanzanias, Rwanda, Ugandas, they, they're there as well. You know, The only one that we're still very cautious on is Zimbabwe at this stage. Because we think good things are happening there, but. We can't get our money out at the moment.
0: Okay, so let's hone in on where exactly you're increasing your stakes right now. Are you looking at that opportunity more so from a geographic perspective or a sector perspective?
1: Okay, so for us it's, it's even further deeper than that. We like companies, okay, so we buy good companies that are trading at a reasonable price that we think we want to put in our portfolios. Of course that does then roll out and from that you see us moving into different regions sometimes based on valuations or different sectors as Mm -hmm. such so by buying companies that we think are good value at the moment what are we doing at the moment we're taking a little bit of kenya because kenya's run a little bit more so kenya well, we've seen some inflows at the moment, so we're not really taking off Kenya, but we're not buying as aggressively in Kenya as we would be with our inflows that we, we've seen. We're buying a bit more in Nigeria, because that's interesting for us, and Egypt, that's interesting for us. Morocco as well, and it's a good diversifier, but Morocco's always a bit expensive because you have that hothouse effect of the money that, that's, that's in Morocco. So, so where's more of our inflows going at the moment? More to Egypt and Nigeria than to Morocco and Kenya, and then then sped, then then a small allocation spread out into the smaller markets as well.
0: And uh, with that strategy, one assumes a lot of it is based on the fact that we still face a very dire liquidity challenge across African markets, yes. and so you focus on uh, the hubs more so than anything else.
1: Well, exactly. It's just it's where we're driven because remember also we you know the sort of while we run some segregated accounts where people give us different um, mandates as to how much liquidity they want based on what they want. The sort of the more, if, if you have a smaller allocation, you want to put it to wa- workouts. If we, we run it through an Irish investment vehicle, which is a usage daily liquidity vehicle. That means that every investment we have to do in mm. has to fill the daily liquidity bucket as such. So, yes, that does sort of shift us a little bit around, but it gives people also some comfort and some safety knowing they have the user regulations and they have that liquidity if they need to come out of those markets.
0: Yeah, let's take a look very quickly at the currency scene because we've had this weakening trend persist over the last few years. The last 12 months or so though, have seen currencies either trading very stably or improving against the US dollar. Do you see that being maintained? And of course, a key consideration here is the fact that we've seen foreign reserves uh, starting to improve and that providing somewhat Of a buffer for that stability. Yes.
1: So, I mean, we we think foreign reserves have improved. We've seen more exports of commodities, which means that these countries are exporting more, which is always good for your currency in those countries. So, we definitely see stronger currencies going going forward. But remember, there's always two sides to the coin. So, I think that we're going to see stable currencies from these countries, or, you know, much more if we look at a basket of currencies Mm -hmm. that they're against. The fact that they've all strengthened it against the U.S. dollar specifically is also because we saw some U.S. dollar weakness as well. So there's always two sides to it. So so they might weaken a little bit to the U.S. dollar if the U.S. dollar strengthens again. But but as a, if you look at a basket in the rest of the world, we think we're going to see them pretty stable.
0: Well, that's David there there. Sven, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having joined us you. in studio this evening. Of course, Sven Richter is with Drakens Capital. And that's where we leave things with you for this week's episode of Africa Business News. We're back same time, same place next week from me, Alicia Seckham, and the rest of the of the team it's goodbye until then